There's Nina Nesbitt and Loyal to Me. So it's Richard Bovesan here until midday today. On a story to tell today, I've got John Williams, who's from Graft for Growth, which is a company which does expeditions and going out to Transylvania of all places. We'll ask him later on about why he chose there and lots of other things as well. If you have any questions for John, studio at radiobath.com or you can text your message to Bath, followed by a message to 80011. We'll be talking to John very, very shortly. The amount of footballers or football teams that have now taken that song. Now, why have I played it? I've played it because I have the lovely John Williams. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning, Richard. Um, I've got John. Now, I know John from football. So uh, we play every Friday afternoon up at John of Gaunt School in Trovegas, as it's yokally known. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I, I was chatting to him last week and I thought, Do you know, it'd be great to get him on. So, uh, so yeah, today on A Story to Tell, we have, are you ready for this, John? Entrepreneur. How does that sound? <laughs> oh, it sounds quite impressive, actually. I just hope the uh, interview will support it. Oh, we'll, we'll give it a go. So he's in to tell us about his exciting new project of exploring Transylvania and how he got to where he is today. So, first of all, John, how are you today? Yeah, I- I'm good, thank you. Yeah, all well. Yeah, very good. So, tell us about yourself. What? Who are you? Well, um, just an ordinary guy, um, PE teacher, trained in um, uh, the University of Exeter, um, English PE and outdoor education, which uh, links to this interview. But so, um, yeah, so I've been teaching for most of my life. And then when I was about 49, I stopped and, uh, and started a, a business and a social enterprise. OK, where did you teach? We're going to talk about teaching later, but where did you teach? Well, I've taught in um, Ewley, Dursley. Um, I've taught in Surrey, in Ashcombe School, in Dorking, Surrey, and uh, taught in Biddeford School, North Devon, taught in Australia, um, in uh, the Atherton Tablelands, and more recently at St. Lawrence School um, in Bradford Avon. The wonderful St. Lawrence School. Yeah, it is. It is I, I had a number of people messaging when they saw that you were on, mm. going, oh, I recognise him. He was my PE teacher. <laughs> yeah, people either get enthusiastic or just go white at the thought of a PE teacher sometimes, don't they? <laughs> Do you know what? I was chatting to, uh, to my daughter earlier on and uh, we were talking about the fact that PE teachers must be fit because they're doing PE all the time. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then she went, oh, actually, and she was of school age, she went, actually, most of the time they just stand around. Yeah. They don't do anything. Is that fair? Well, there is an aspect of that, um, but you do have to keep moving from one place to another, which is uh, in some desk jobs you, you stay um, stationary, but you have to go up to the fields and come back to the fields. And every so often, certainly if you're uh, somebody who likes to demonstrate, because it does save a thousand words, um, especially in the gymnasium, you have to sort of bring it off once a year. Oh. <laughs> it can be a bit scary. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. That, that pressure yeah. moment, that yeah. pressure moment. Yeah. Okay, so you're here today to tell us about the new launch of your company. Tell us about that. Well, um, the um, the company itself, Graphic Growth, has been going for a, a fair few years, but um, but we're incorporating it now, incorporating within it the Transylvania Adventure uh, Company because I've been working a lot with... Um, charities abroad and they need to be self-sustaining so we've tried a number of different ways to achieve that and certainly during covid um when a lot of the um other projects were stopping we thought well how can we make this particular area um or particular charity a self-sustaining charity because they were doing great work with um those with disability some fantastic work they're in, in um brush off um 
um, north of Bucharest. And uh, I've been working with them for a while and thinking, well, they don't have any land, they don't have any money. What, what have they got? Well, they've got, they're in a fantastic area. You know, literally, um, the Brashoff area or had a, an article by The Guardian recently saying it's uh, the new Yellowstone Park of Europe okay. because it's just such a wild place. So we thought, well, okay, let's, let's take their talents. Um, they've got a great team, young, young people, and their, um, their English is fantastic as well. So um, let's see what we can do because they all like cycling. They all like walking. Let's put this together. Yeah. And so that's Transylvania, is it? So, yeah. Because... Everybody, when they think about Transylvania, thinks of vampires, of course. Yeah, of course. So have you come across any vampires on your travels there so far? Well, not so far, okay. Okay. But but, um, we we do, that particular area does have a lot of um, sort of related vampire history. So it's really to do with Vlad the Impaler. Um, That's where it all came from. And Bran Stoker, who is the English author, then turns it into the vampire story. But... um, But pretty equally scary, um, you know, was Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. And he was, um, uh, he resided in Sigiswara, which is one of the places we, we, we visit, which is like a UNESCO um, protected town. And also um, he has a castle near Brashoff, which is also one of the areas where we'll go to. So there's quite a lot of history there related uh, in part to, uh, to Dracula himself or the, uh, um, what started the story. Amazing. And you've got a launch night coming up, I believe. Yeah, we've got a launch night, um, Thursday, 1st of February, 7.30, at the Old Dairy in Melcombe Road in Bath. So, yeah. And And fizzy and, you know, nibbles provided. Okay, um, so if somebody came along to that launch night, what's the purpose of it? Well, we've got some, um, we've got films, we've got pictures, we've got explanations of the routes. Um, we might have an explanation about where the where the money's going to because it's um, a social enterprise, not um, s- strictly a, a sort of profit-focused business. And um, we'll yeah, be looking at the, the different um, areas and history of the places that we'll be visiting. Okay. Well, we're going to talk more about the actual individual trips a bit later on. Um, this isn't... So I'm just trying to get the journey here. So you were teaching for... How many years did you teach for? Well, I stopped at 49, when I was 49 years old. Stopped full-time. Stopped full-time, yeah, yeah. and you're a couple of years older than that now. Yeah, we'll, that's right. Yeah. We'll talk about yeah, that yeah. later as well. What did you do straight after teaching then? Well, when I finished the uh, full-time teaching, and it was a decision between my wife Penny and myself, because I really did want to, to do the social enterprise side, but I realised also that that wouldn't support us as a family. So I had to also... Um, or we had to uh, begin like a, um, what we decided would be a property business. So we borrowed a ridiculous amount of money. Can you say you how could, much? About a million pounds. About a million pounds. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because you could do that if you, in those days, you could remortgage your property, split it up into packages, pop small packages on as deposits on houses and borrow and and have a mortgage against them, which is also borrowing, of course. Yeah. So I didn't have a million pounds myself. So by by, by splitting up small packages, um, I could then borrow against that. Yeah. Wow. So, and so. how did that company go? Well, um, we didn't actually, we just did it, we didn't actually start it as a company. No, retrospectively, I wish I had done for various reasons. But um, we just, um, we did it under sort of uh, John and Penny Williams, really. And okay. uh, so we... We invested in, um, um, we tried to split um, the, uh, the risk. So we invested in a number of places, so the UK, but I thought that the growth had finished in the UK, but it was safe. 
And uh, we then went to Spain, Croatia, and also Hungary. Okay. And so uh, that was a, a wide portfolio, which I'm now trying to shrink and uh, trying to make life a little bit more negotiable, really. <laughs> so you've still got some of these properties? Then? Yeah, I have, but I'm okay. selling them off now because right. uh, en- enough's enough. Yeah, enough's enough. And you can then, of course, live a life of luxury and on all the profits that there's been. Well, <laughs> I'm not yeah, more more focused on what you think is really worthwhile. Do you know what? It's very good. Yeah, because money doesn't give you anything. No, it's or, not the only currency. No. Mm. Uh, there's a great phrase which I once heard, which is, money doesn't make you happy, it just makes life easier. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah. I still go by that. Yeah. Okay, so, so you were at school and used to run quite a lot of the expeditions yourselves, didn't you, for the sixth formers and stuff? Yes. Well, I have to go back a few years, if you don't mind. I go back to 1989, which, where um, the the Berlin Wall came down yeah. and con- communism started to um, collapse. And the countries started a domino. Um, so we had you know, the, the Yugoslavia and uh, they had the Czech Republic and, and, uh, and also Germany. And so all these um, previous in Poland or previously communist countries were then um, throwing off those sort of shackles, as they'd call them. Yeah. And suddenly they opened up and we would get pictures in the, on the news about what some of the lives were like in the orphanage in particular. I don't know whether you can remember that. The, yeah, I do, actually. Some awful yeah. pictures in the orphanages. And so I was at that time teaching in, <clears throat> in Dorking, Surrey, and a group of guys came up to me. And said, uh, "Yeah, John, we, we just wouldn't. We'd like to ask you: Would you mind driving a truck, a relief truck, to Romania?" Okay, I said, "You know, because you know," he said, "Well, we're from Dorking Churches, and we've we've got a, we've got all these supplies. We've got um, s- um, surgical equipment, um, blankets, you know, survival stuff, packages of food." for some of the villages and, and, and all sorts of stuff to help people get through a really difficult time. But they had no one to drive it. Right. So I said, oh, how, how, how far is that? You know, how long is it going to take? Well, I said, well, it's about 100 hours driving in the truck. How big's the truck? <laughs> it's seven and a half tonner. Okay, wow. but I could, yeah. So I said, well, okay, um, I'll, do it. I'll just do it at once, okay? It sounds, it sounds big commitment. So yeah. I did it uh, that particular time. And uh, you just, every so often, you have an experience in life that changes you, and that changed me. What I saw was so uh, had such an impact. The poverty levels I saw. I saw people in blizzards at four o'clock in the morning queuing for bread for the shop to open at nine o'clock. You know, I saw. I went into hospitals and uh, to try and solve the problem of overcrowding. I had two in a bed. Can you imagine how? Wow how horrendous that would have been and uh, and some of the orphanages that I went to there's excrement all over the floor and they were just running wild and there was just there was no direction there was no um, care for them and it was just awful so um, but I was a teacher so I couldn't really do anything about it but I thought you know I'm, I'm teaching at state school but these these youngsters um, they could learn a lot if we did some positive project abroad so we launched our first project, and I had a whole load of friends. One was in Thames Television, an editor, and um, one was a good mechanic, and uh, a number of people who were uh, good, good drivers and confident. So we got two lorries together and a minibus, and we asked the youngsters, who would like to come along? We'll do a relief trip with all these two lorries. Yeah. And somehow 
the, the head teacher trusted me to do this. I can't believe it. When I, when I think back, how did it, you said, John, I've got only one, one provider. The governor said you've got to take a nurse. So I put an advert in the local um, hospital. Uh, any, anybody want to come along? We've got two nurses, and they came along. They were brilliant. Yeah. And they came on um, subsequent trips. So we did this first trip, and the girls slept on all the, all the, um, the mattresses and uh, all the blankets we were keeping in one lorry, and the boys slept in the other lorry in the evening because there's no, and we had no mobile phones. No. You couldn't book ahead on Booking.com. It was just completely. Well, the internet, see what happens. The internet didn't exist. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so it's quite scary because if you if you lost contact with another lorry, if um, it was, you, know, you just had roadmaps in front of you, really. So anyway, that that trip worked really well, and uh, and so from then on, really, it was just. Um, trying to manage the numbers. I um, mean, the difference. I went from the Ashcombe, then, and then from Ashcombe School, I went to St Lawrence, and then um, kick-started there again. Yeah, and you did loads and loads of expeditions like that, and eventually that's brought you round to the company that you're now doing. Yeah, that, that's that's right. So it started off with relief trucks, then we started doing survival houses, then we went to small farms. Because um, as you, we progressed, we realised what well, you can't, you know, just ha- driving a relief truck out and handing out goods is not sustainable. Yeah. So the the focus is really is to find the people that really need the support, and to help them sustain themselves. So <clears throat> if we, for instance, went and did a um, a, a survival house we'd put a package of support around that particular family to help them get their kids to school help them be able to buy clothes and keep them in the education system so they could then you know l- later on they could get further training and um, and when with the smaller farms you know um, it could help feed the community and um, and then um, and, and continue when we'd gone Okay, that well, sounds amazing. Well, we're going to talk more about the uh, actual trips coming up very, very shortly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've chosen the next track, haven't you? So this is the Lily Allen track. Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. Why have you chosen this track then, John? Yeah, well, uh, um, uh, I'm not greatly into music, but I really focus on lyrics. And, um, and I don't know much about Lily Allen, but I know she's very popular. But I listened to this particular track and thought it sort of reflects a sort of a, a, a moral... Um, maze that some of the youngsters are going through and uh, and it, it affected you know a person that thinking you know what's my life really all about and, and not knowing and uh, it's just and so the, the lyrics caught me I thought they're very very clever and here is The Fear by Lily Allen And I want lots of money I don't care about clever I don't care about funny I want loads of clothes And I want loads of diamonds I heard people die while they're trying to find them And I'll take my clothes off And it will be shameless Cause everyone knows That's how you get famous Haven't heard that song for years. It's criticised by Alexander O'Neill from 1987 here on Radio Bath. I, I kind of gone into really smashy and nicey mode there, John. It's kind of a bit weird for me. I was watching a bit of smashy and nicey. For those that don't know, I mentioned this the other day about smashy and nicey. This was Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse, I believe, in the early 90s that did kind of the classic, hey, 
charity and all of that for DJ <laughs> stuff. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, I did a little bit of it with Gerard before when we tried to hit the lyrics. It's very old classic yeah. radio stuff. But there we go. Anyway, we're back with John Williams. So he is uh, the leader of Graft for Growth. They're just about to have a launch day. And uh, we're going to listen or talk now much more about the actual trips themselves. Okay, so John, just remind us very quickly, if anybody is interested, what's the website? It's um, graftforgrowth.co.uk and the four is a number four. And the four is a number four. So graftforgrowth.co.uk. Now, you have three mission statements on your website. Uh Uh, The first one is vision. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, so our um, ambition really is to... um, is to make those that are destitute and uh, living in these marginalised communities and enable them to transform their lives in the future if we give them training and work opportunities, which is the why we call it sort of like graph for growth, uh, enabling them to be able to work and find a way out of um, absolute poverty. Okay, so these are the people that help run the trips, is it? No, no, no these are the people we go over and we help. Okay. Okay, so, um, so what would happen is that a, a charity in Romania or a charity in the UK working with a charity in Romania would say to us, um, can, can you help this particular project? Can you bring teams of people over? And then I would look at it and assess it and think, well, if they've got a really good inspirational and mostly um, yeah, predominantly inspirational Christian leader, um, that's trying to do some great stuff in their community. Um, and I might think to myself, well, is that going to really inspire my students? Um, you know, is that going to be good for them in terms of their personal development as well? And if I think, yes, it would be, um, then we take, take the project on and we go and support those in the difficult situations with either um, sanctuary houses and, um, and education or um, building small farms, or um, yeah, in, in, but always um, supporting the educational side. Okay, so I'm just trying to get the get my head around this. So we we have the trips, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about shortly, which is the walking and the cycling. Yeah, how does that kind of match in with what you've just been describing there? Then yes, okay. So <clears throat> I'm working with a group um, that call themselves Hope Without Limits okay. that work with um, people with disability in the Brashoff area. They are very short of resources uh, in order to expand what they do in terms of supporting people with you know, equipment, um, um, therapy sessions, um, community events for those that are disabled. You've got to understand that if you're disabled in Romania, people think it's all like a curse. It's a bit of a medieval thing. Okay. You know, cross themselves as they pass you in the street and so on. So imagine what that does to your self-esteem. Hmm. So these guys hid themse- hide themselves away. So this particular charity is trying to draw them out, give them a sense of community, um, give them self-esteem. And so um, what we're trying to do is create a, create a, a business that enables them to fund what they do. Right. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Um, and then your second part is mission. So that's mm. one of your mission statements is mission. Yeah. So what's that one then? Well, um, it's just it's the same thing to develop self-reliance and independence through helping people towards you know through education, um, housing, work, and job opportunities. So. <clears throat> Um, in this particular case, for the Transylvanian Adventure Company, we are hoping to employ um, some of those with disability. Okay. Um, but through employing those people that work with them, um, they are going to try. Uh, they are going to very much introduce all aspects of lifestyle where they can become self-reliant 
those people with disabilities. Okay, amazing. And the last one is values. Mm, yeah. Well, um, we all have the the things that motivate you. I'm a Christian myself, and um, and as as a principle, we believe everybody is equal in God's sight. Okay. And um, and so, giving people independence. Um, develops their self-value and, and their human dignity and that's what we're trying to do so you know it's a, you know there's the um what we call the, the the micah mandate which is you know a book in the old testament and that says you know what does the lord require of you um to act justly love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And now we all have our own motivational aspects, hmm. but that's one that motivates me to do what I do. Okay, and, and kind of I, I look at that. So I'm I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a Catholic family, but I, I decided that it wasn't for me. But I'm listening to that, and in my head, I replace God with humans. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have those same values, mm-hmm. but just not necessarily in a religious way. Mm-hmm. You know, just simply be kind to people is yeah. is my basic theory in life. Yeah. And other people will be kind to you. Yes, that's, uh, well, that's 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 fair enough. We, we, we'll, but I, I look around. I read the newspapers. I look at the news, and mm. I think to myself. Human nature, I don't think it's doing too well at the moment. No. And we said we wouldn't get political, so no, no. I won't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, but what I see, what I see in, in the work that I do, um, and, and I hope it challenges people that come with me, I, um, I see um, people involved in mafia activity, dangerous people mm. having lives turned around yeah. and talking to our students about that situation and what's happened and people not being able to believe it you know i see uh yeah and so it's, it's quite striking when you see complete life turnarounds and i, I had an interesting situation where i think it was a, a school um, prior park school one of the students asked one of my christian leaders and they said um well valley um tell me if you could change one thing in Romania to make it better what would you change and without really thinking about it much the the guy says I would change the human heart wow and that stunned the group but it really made them think and I don't see how you can change communities very easily with lots and lots of money and lots and lots of resources. You have to change their heart. Hmm. And uh, there are different ways of doing it, but this is the one that I have found has worked the best. Well, one thing that I think um, will be really hopefully encouraging for you is last week I had uh, Mark Jones, who was a hypnotherapist, come in and uh, loved him. He's a brilliant guy and uh, really enjoyed chatting to him. Uh, And I was explaining to him how much impact he's had on me Mm -hmm. and how much, therefore, I've taken on. So I train a lot of the new dance teachers to to be dance teachers and they then teach other people to dance Mm -hmm. so his touch of me and i'll say that in an appropriate way um i then help all those other people who then help all those other people so Mm -hmm. it can be sometimes quite a small thing that starts off and ends up having a massive impact and Mm -hmm. hopefully that's the type of thing that you are doing as well now the trips that people can go on um so you've got a number of different trips people can take to transylvania Mm -hmm. um what type of trips are there yes well i mean um on the website, there are, there are sort of three. There's the walk, the cycle, and there's a social um, 
social work trips. So I'm just focusing today because it's the adventure company on the on the walking and the cycling. Okay. So we've got this team of people who live in this mountainous area, mountain area Brashoff. Point of Brash is, is a ski area too. And um, in that area, you've got, you know, got, you've got bears, you've got lynx, you've got all sorts of... They've even got buffalo now, apparently, wow. and wolves and whatever. It's quite a wild country. And um, so we've got this team of people that love walking and cycling. So we've developed these, these, uh, a number of different trips. The main one for people in this country would be you go over for eight days. Um, two days uh, are flying there and back. And so you've got six days in the middle where you do a circuit, a small circuit around from Brashoff to visit some of the, um, the mountains and, um, and also the um, Saxon towns and villages and on the quiet roads. So that's, um, that was the quiet roads would be for the cycling. Um, for the walking also, um, similar, really, similar, but the distances obviously aren't so, aren't so far. But one of the advantages we have is we've got, we've got a, a number of Land Rovers, so we can um, drive the group to the top of a mountain without them doing all the trudging all the way up and then spend some of the, the walking time along the top there okay. and with the, the beautiful views, of which there are many. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty vast um, forested country. And uh, it's got some, you know, the Carpathian Mountains are, are incredible. So um, I loved it. We've loved doing it. It's been great fun. And so, um, you know, I can guarantee that uh, the sc- scenery will be stunning. And those people interested in bird life, wildlife uh, will be interested as well. I can't guarantee, and I hope you won't come across a bear <laughs> when we're walking, but they're pretty nervous, actually, the bears. Um, Have you come across a bear whilst walking out there? Um, yes. Okay. Yes, but it wasn't dangerous. The bear wasn't bothered about me and, and right. stayed fairly, um, you know, just carried on eating with a, with a bear cub by the side. And, uh, and I just made sure I wasn't getting anywhere too near it. But um, what you can do, and what I've done a number of times, is you go to um, hides and you pay the forester who's got, um, who's got an area where he puts food around on a regular basis. And the idea is to keep the bears away from the towns. So okay. keep them up and, um, in the mountains. And then you pay to go and sit in a hide in the safety of the hide right. and, uh, and watch them and, and literally it's been amazing seeing the bears and the mums and the little cubs running around and, uh, but to give you an idea of um, how the bears react um, if they hear a human I mean it, even the click of a camera would get them to, to scarper right. you know, so you have to be very very quiet so the idea of meeting a bear isn't quite so um, nerve-wracking when you when you know that that scenario but uh, yeah now i'm thinking about the fact that i'm going to go on hol- on a holiday in the next few months and i'm thinking to myself i'm quite tired mm-hmm. so therefore chances are i'm going to go somewhere quite warm and sit by a swimming pool yeah, yeah. and do not a lot yeah, yeah yeah um going on a cycling or a walking holiday i'm guessing is quite tiring so do you need to be a certain fitness to do it okay. well we all need first of all we all need a sense of adventure don't we to get to enliven ourselves and yeah. exercise does actually give you more energy but no we we're we're um we're quite realistic in the people that we are aiming at. And it's moderate. Okay, okay. so moderate. Because you know, I'm in my 60s. Um, I can walk it. I can do the walks quite easily. I can do the cycles um, reasonably well and uh, complete them all. So, no, you know, I, to, sort of, to some extent, to be honest, we are a bit aiming at the silver generation. Are you? you know, we've got a bit of time. Yeah. You know, a bit of time and a, and a bit of money. Yeah. But uh, we, also, we also can offer these sort of quick breaks for... Um, people who are maybe cash rich, time poor, pop over there for a day or two, or maybe three days walking. Okay. You know, Thursday evening, come back on a Sunday or something like that. So Sounds we can interesting. do that. Yeah. I'm, I might try and 
do one myself. I'm in my fiftieth year now, so uh, see, I'm looking to do some different things. You never know; I might be. Uh, well, I'll hold joining. you. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I said. I'm already committed to doing a skydive this year, providing oh, well. I can get medically passed on it. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, how how much the typical? So you say for eight days, how much would one of those cost? Because that's what people want to know as well. Yes. Well, it, it, um, there's two aspects: is how much it costs and what do you get for it. Um, so, so let's take the cycling; it's more expensive than the the walking. Cycling for uh, for the eight days is um, twelve hundred pounds, okay. and the the walking is is eleven. So, but what you get for that is you don't get your flight; you have to get out there. But the flights, if you book them in advance, are are not too bad. And um, <clears throat> uh, but you get you get your hotels um, or the you know a, a good level pension um, if it's right out in the country. You get all your food. Um, you get um, and during the midday you get um, fed as well. Um, if you're on a cycle or a walk, we have you know snacks yeah. that we can give you. So um, and the bikes are provided. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Presumably, you don't need to carry a bike on your back on the plane. No, I mean no. We've 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 invested in um, 17 um, Merida um, um, Merida um, hardtail bikes. So they got suspension on the front. Okay. And they're about a thousand pound each. So we got you know seventeen thousand pounds worth of, of of bicycles, and we got some uh, three electric bikes. Um, cube electric bikes, which make the make life a lot easier. I can yeah. tell you, we get all gave it a try and thought, "Well, oh, this is too easy." You know, <laughs> give me a bike. <laughs> but you know, if if a couple want to do it, and one of the couples isn't interested in the cycling so much, or not not competent or confident, they can uh, they can um, use one of the the electric bikes. Sounds, sounds good. And walking, of course, you don't need any equipment apart from a good pair of walking boots. Yeah, well, we would give an equipment list, you know, and uh, and to be be reasonable. You don't want if you're going to get a waterproof, make sure it's not showerproof, you know. Yeah. But you don't you don't need to 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 have high quality stuff. You just need to have the right equipment to do what you're going to do. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody's interested, remind us of the website again. Um, Graph for Growth. Um, the um, with, with f- the four is a number four. Graph for Growth dot co dot uk. Fabulous. And when's the launch date again? We're going to carry on talking, yeah. John, by yeah. the way. Thursday, but, uh, the 1st of Feb, 7.30, at the Old Dairy, Melcom Road in Bath. Amazing. Time for more music. I got my first real six-string Bought it at the five and done Played it till my fingers bled Was a summer of 69 Now, just before the news, we're going to have a little chat about a good friend of mine, I, I know him via dancing. I know him as Mike, Mike Edwards. Everybody else I know him as Eddie the Eagle, though. I play golf with him very regularly. He's a really nice chap. He's actually very, very normal, which is quite nice as well. Um, but he stars on Dancing on Ice this weekend, which just starts, and they're doing their press day today. And I was just chatting with John here. We also have a work experience chap called Kieran in. Good morning, Kieran. Good morning. Oh, Hello. come closer to the microphone. That's good. Yeah. That, oh, hang on a sec. There we go. Try again. Hello. There we go. It helps if I turn your microphone on. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested to think what you think of Mike. So, John, tell me what you think. What, what's your memories? Well, you stated that he's just an ordinary guy. Well, he's not, is he? <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy with a, a real sense of adventure, I would say, and he's, he's, he's certainly got some guts. I mean, I, 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 mean, the, I think it, it's tr- the picture I have of him 
is on his skis on a corrugated iron roof on a shed sort of practicing and i'm thinking that's not really the sort of preparation you need he must have done more than that but i'm thinking this guy's really got some um you know got some guts he does have a lot of guts and uh, he's an, he's annoyingly good at golf as well <laughs> now kieran you weren't born i can i can make this guesstimation guesstimation when he was in calgary in 1988 so what's your memory of or what's your thoughts of eddie or mike I came to know of him through the film. Okay. But I was... My dad had mentioned him at some point, but I, it sort of left my mind. And then the film comes out, and I go, oh, I remember having a conversation about him. And then sort of did actually become quite interested in him around that time. Because he's, he's just... His, uh, his attitude towards everything is just full throttle give it everything you got yeah he does now I've got a very interesting pitch from playing golf we played up uh, near his house in near Stroud of, uh, there were cows on the golf course and they wouldn't move it's a, called Mitchellston or something like that and uh, yeah they wouldn't move and I have a video of Mike hitting this golf ball over the cow thankfully he, he connected correctly with it so, uh, so yeah but he actually hit his driver over the cows but, uh, <laughs> so what I'd like to know is how Come he gets on. his... He's obviously a guy that needs a thrill, isn't he? He's a wholehearted guy that needs a thrill. What, what does he do now after all that to um, to get the same sort of... Um, to satisfy this same need for, for thrill? Do you know, most of the time he comes dancing. So, yeah, he comes out dancing <laughs> yeah, at my yeah. uh, our You're venues. just promoting a business, really, I, I'm not at all, no. But he does come along quite a lot. He's, uh, okay. he's one of our crew members and yeah. uh, he helps out uh, all oh, the beginners. So, uh, oh, that's yeah, great. He's fabulous. He's yeah. a really nice guy. So do vote for him. That's Eddie the Eagle, known as Mike Edwards, or the other yeah. way around, uh, on Dancing on Ice, which starts this weekend. Please do vote yeah. for him. Now, I've had an email in from Jeff. He's saying that he's going to a concert this evening in Bath. Two well-known acoustic guitarists, Tommy Emmanuel and Molly Tuttle. Uh, it's kind of bluegrass track. So uh, I'm going to play one of those tracks for you now. The Stand By Me and Benny King. It's Richard Bobson here until midday today. So today on A Story To Tell, for those that are joining us for the second hour, I've got the lovely John Williams. He's here from Graft for Growth. And uh, you've got a launch night coming up, John. Remind us about that. Yes, um, the Old Dairy in um, Malcolm Road, Bath. It's on Thursday. It's the 1st of Feb, 7.30. We offer um, sparkling wine and also some nibbles so come along for a, uh, an interesting evening where we can show you some videos and some pictures explain our different routes and, uh, and you can ask any questions you want about uh, what goes on on the trip. And this is the trips to Transylvania. The trips to Transylvania. People think it doesn't exist, actually, but it's actually not just in the book. <laughs> it actually exists. It's one of the, the nicer parts of, uh, of Romania. Yeah. Oscar, do you know what? I'm glad you said Romania then, because I was going back <laughs> in my mind going, where is it again? Because <laughs> lots of people won't even know where Romania is. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, but there we go. Um, you've also, as well as the stuff abroad, you've done stuff like locally as well haven't you tell us about what you did last year yes well um we did the 100 mile cycle from coast to coast as a, as a fundraiser um actually i didn't do it for um, um, um g4g projects i did it for a, a, another project housing um homeless um homeless um, young girls in, in the bath area so um we did the from Ilfracombe to to Plymouth in one day. It's one hundred miles, and uh, it's quite a challenge. That is, and uh, but I've done it a number of times. In in fairness, I learnt the whole 
uh, route and the way of doing it through um, with Beach and Cliff School because right. they do it as a regular challenge. And uh, and then I, I took it on to do it separately with uh, with adults as well. And uh, yeah, so um, in the past I've done quite a lot of projects with the local schools, such um, well in terms of Bath area would be Prior Park, Beach and Cliff. Um, but um, and we've paused really because of COVID and and, and issues with with flights afterwards. Um, but still, I'm um, thinking about getting back into offering some of those trips for, for the sixth formers in some of those schools or the local schools. And if any of the schools are listening, how would they get in contact with you to well, kind of arrange that? Um, I think that some of them have gone in contact, but you've got to get the right project for them, you see. So I'm just uh, I'm working on getting the right project at the right time. So mm-hmm. uh, um, we can't just go and, and, and trot them out every single year. But no. uh, um, some of them have been in contact with me anyway, so um, we, we, um, I've got the contact numbers, and so, I can tell them when I'm ready. So watch this space. Watch this space, Obviously, yeah. you're very busy with your current project at the moment. Yeah, exactly. That's my focal point at the moment, yeah. Fair enough. Now, you mentioned about uh, homeless for, Homelessness for Girls project. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah tell yeah, us yeah. about that and why you, why you chose that project. Well, it's a, it's, um, it's a project that um, that is run by the... Um, um, the church that I go to, um, where um, a number of people uh, have secretly bought two houses and um, and offered it to um, um, a group uh, and to, in order to um, take girls who have been in care all their lives and coming out um, after eighteen and got nowhere to actually go, rather than make them homeless, they put them in a house and they put a um, uh, they put some. Um, support around them that's sort of counselling support and also um, support in terms of um, finance support and uh, try and get them jobs and then hopefully after a couple of years they'll be self-sustaining themselves and go out and hire, um, rent a place and uh, and be independent that's the idea and these trips that you've then done have then helped support the funding of that i'm guessing yeah well th- no that that particular that particular cycle i chose that particular project right yeah, that's right yeah. so you've done lots of stuff for charity over the years i'm guessing by the sound of it yeah i work with charities yeah that's right yeah, yeah. i do yeah what makes you choose a particular charity um well if they um if they're doing what initially i was doing things i was going to remain doing things on my own and thinking no i need more backup i need people that are coming out here more more often and uh, so, and I need people to be able to support the project when I finished. So um, yeah, so I've worked with Partnership for Growth, um, People Against Poverty. I yeah. had, I'd had a great uh, time working with them. Tell us about them. People Against Poverty. Well, they're they're a local charity, um, in, initiated by um, um, Bill and Val Huxley, and uh, they were supporting some projects in Yash. And uh, so where we had our our main one actually in a small in a small village called Unchest, which I can't even find on the Google Maps, actually. But we spent a lot of time there with a number of schools building at what we call a micro-farm. Right. You know, because some of the villages, um, they can be defined as, like, places without hope. You know, they've got no food, they've got no, no money. They, they, uh, this whole v- village of 100 families had no tractor. It's a farming village. And no tractor. No tractor. Yeah, right. that's right. So, so we, we created this sort of community farm and uh, and got hold of the money for a tractor and a trailer and and some you know other equipment that you need you know the plows and you know discus and things like that and uh, and then the schools would come and they would they would build say a, a, a small building for pigs or a small building for chickens or even start working on, on the 
um, the farm manager's house, and yeah. uh, and we built a mill as well. I think Pryor Park built a mill, so they could mill, so the locals could bring their <coughs> the locals could bring their corn to the mill and have it and have it milled rather than pay a lot of money by. Um, shipping it elsewhere, so you know that was uh, that was a good project with people against poverty. We had a lot, a lot of good times together. Yeah, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I've known you from football, as I've said very early on, and but we haven't really chatted that much. When you play football, we don't really talk that much. No. Um, and I'm finding out lots and lots about you today, which is really fascinating for me. And I think the world needs more Johns. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, you have to realise what. Um, you know what a pleasure it is to be able to work with young people who are really enthusiastic young people want to make a difference to the world a positive difference and it's very enlivening working with them they raise all the money i organize the trip they raise all the money yeah. they do all the work um i just regard myself as as a facilitator yes. you know a cog in the wheel yeah. so you're the one that kind of makes it possible but that they, makes it possible they yeah. do all but the hard doesn't work. make it happen but it makes it possible are you theoretically then the responsible one well, yeah, I don't like responsibility, <laughs> Richard, but, you know, you have to take it on, don't you? Just get, <laughs> you get it thrust upon you, you know? Absolutely, you do get it thrust upon you. But, uh, yeah, well, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about teaching when we come back after this. watching The Voice the other week and uh, Ray, who's this artist, was worth it. She was on there and the difference between her and the contestants was literally professional to amateur. And she was incredible. And I've not heard that track before. Really like that track as well. So that's Worth It by Ray here on Radio Bath. Richard Bovesen here until midday. Today I've got John Williams. He's from Graft for Growth. We're going to talk about your teaching history now, John. Hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of how you... You base everything, I'm guessing, because all the things that you do are still kind of teaching people how to do stuff. Would that be fair? Yes, I think um, I think partly the my main focus was on on students really when I first started all this um, the um, social enterprise work, and um, and that's because teaching wise, you realise how how formative it can be. So um, um, and it was what I was used to. I would like to think part of what my skill set is is to to work with um, the, certainly the older students, and uh, so yeah, it it did link very much. Yeah. Now, how long were you teaching for then? Oh gosh, that's full a good time. One. Uh, full time. Well, I I think I was teaching about twenty seven years full time. Quite a while, and mm, I'm guessing mm. in that time it must have changed somewhat. Yes, it, it did. Yes, the. Um, <clears throat> Yes, from from my perspective, um, without going into too much detail, there there was a lot more focus on um, the examinations and okay. the results because of the Ofsted and um, publicising the um, the academic achievements of schools, and therefore, understandably, the focus seemed, seemed to switch there. So, when I was um, first employed, there was a lot more going on um, beyond the classroom, and so I felt there was a it was it was difficult for teachers to re, oh, for head teachers to release students and and teachers to go on trips abroad uh, um, during the term time 
ski trips, hmm. um, adventure trips, um, or even even geography field trips. Yeah, really, to be honest. So, um, so it had it did change. Yeah, it did change. Yeah, and it must be very difficult as a teacher. I, I, you know, I, I am a teacher myself, a dance teacher, and I run my own company, so I, I make my own rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that it's enlivening for me because I can kind of go, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to go and do it. Mm-hmm. How did you feel as a teacher? So you're an outdoor teacher, really, aren't you, to a large degree? Yeah. yeah. Um, and kind of having those restrictions. Well, uh, if, you, if you knew me better, you realize that I don't work well under restrictions. Um, but there was, you know, in, in many ways, there was enough freedom within the job to be able to initiate certain things that you wanted to see happen. And so, um, you know, so for instance, we ran these Romania trips, Romania projects. I was allowed to do those, but, but more and more in my own time. And um, we were allowed to... to um, to set up into into house competitions and uh, you know just things that you felt you know mem- and have you know sports days and go on uh, and s- certain um, certain big events that was great to give kids memories character building stuff you know and and a real a thrill invention get buy in for the school as well now every single person has a memory of that teacher at school mm-hmm. that was either instrumental in kind of making you not want to do something <laughs> or want to do something so yeah. i go back to immediately in my head and we've all been to school we all have that commonality yeah. between yeah. us we've all been to school and i have that person in my head that actually was an incredibly strict teacher but made me love maths mm-hmm. they really did um which way do you reckon you would have been? You know, do you think you have that memorable teacher yourself, first of all? Do I have the memorable te- I, I have memorable teachers, I would okay. say. Yeah, I wouldn't say there was one single teacher that turned my life around, but um, I had a number that really got me interested in different um, sports or different subjects, in particular English. I had some really good English teachers that um, enth- enthralled me with some of the um, lessons that we had, yeah. And why did you get into teaching yourself in the first place then? Um, well, I sort of I was wake, weighing up. I think at the time, um, uh, forestry and and teaching outdoor stuff, you know, because I was just um, a bit hyperactive, and uh, and that's where my skill set was. Yeah, yeah, sport, you know, and and I, if there was a sport, I would I would try and play it and okay. to whatever level, not not necessarily a high level, but I just enjoyed it, and it's been fun, sort of introducing sport to to youngsters and seeing them get a thrill because I think sports very important, especially in later life. Absolutely. We're going to, mm. our next section is going to be talking all about sport, which I can't wait to, mm. to do. So you did all the teaching for 27 years. Mm. Then what made you kind of not carry on? Well, there's a time when you think, you know, I think um, I don't want to keep repeating the same year uh, and uh, doing the same old stuff. And I thought, I thought somebody younger could do the job as well or better than me um, in terms of the PE job. And uh, and I really wanted not to miss an opportunity of doing something more exciting, not not necessarily more exciting, but something exciting for me at the time, which is starting up the business, yeah. starting up the social enterprise. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we took the risk, really, and jumped off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so from Beecham Cliff to a different cliff. No. <laughs> well. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean, teaching it. It's kind of one of the weird things I always think about is I've had people quote back to me something that I've said to them 10 years ago. Mm. And for me, I've, it's just a passing comment. And for them, it's kind of like means quite a lot to them. How do you feel? Because inevitably in the local area, you will come across people that were your students. Yeah. 
Yeah, how, yeah. how do you feel when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, Mr. Williams, yeah, yeah. how are you? And then you go, hi, who are you? <laughs> well, I get quite a lot at the moment. And the people that come up and say hello to me, they've often got a beard and, uh, and no hair. And I'm thinking, I don't quite recognize you from when <laughs> I was teaching you. Um, going back to what you say about certain you may have a certain comment that might hold yeah. it. You know, it scares me that does really you know if i said the wrong thing because one does say things flippantly but only as you get older do you realize that some of these things stick mm. so i i really do um if, if anyone's listening that i've said the wrong thing to you <laughs> i do apologize and i just hope i've been more more um you know um uh, in a helping self-esteem rather than demolishing it yeah yeah it's always a really difficult one i say i don't think as a teacher you ever realize quite how much uh, you mean to people because people yeah. hold you in such high esteem and yeah. that's the main thing rightly or wrongly yeah. indeed so <laughs> well we're going to have another little break for some music when we come back we are going to talk about all the different sports that you've played mm. and we're going to talk football which is how I know John mm-hmm. haven't heard that song in ages Norwegian Wood in brackets the bird has flown by the Beatles now we're back with John John very quickly remind us of the website again yeah graph for growth um, four is with a, a number four not the word um, .co.uk And this is all about getting some trips out to Transylvania Transylvania, that's right Doing walking or cycling Now we're going to talk about sports You mentioned doing sports during your uh, PE days at mm-hmm. school um, One of the main sports I know you for is football Because we play football every mm-hmm. Friday at John of Gaunt School mm-hmm. They've very kindly, kindly let us play there um, what's, your, what's your philosophy on football? How do you think it should be played? <laughs> well, um, I think it should be played at all ages, <laughs> at different levels, to be honest, yeah. because it's it's all about, you know, keeping healthy and enjoying company, um, releasing pressure from what's been going on in the week before, or what's going on in your life, and sort of entering into a world that is that thinks that scoring a goal is the most important thing in one hour. <laughs> or defending the goal. Or defending the goal, yeah. which is I often end up doing these days. That's right. So it's not so... I mean, OK, so I'm um, uh, nominally a Liverpool supporter because I like Klopp and I love the way that they all close down and the energy and the excitement of it. It's great to see, you know, it, um, it, teams play exciting football. But most of us don't play at that level, do we? Uh, not yeah. not so much, yeah. no. Yeah. No, I mean, but football has changed. If I, you know, if you look back at some 1970s football, yeah. they are, first of all, horrific pitches. They're like cow fields they yep. really are yep. and like somebody would go into the back of somebody else and then hack them over and the referee would go just get up get on with it <laughs> um, doesn't happen these days like that no well I think I think fortunately because the pitches are so much better now and um, the pace is so much the pace is very very quick and uh, and uh, a lot of these players have got these devices on them that can show them mm. can show the those analyzing it how far they've run you know what runs they've made and so on and so forth puts a lot more pressure on them and so the fitness levels have got to be very high so um yeah so yes it it, it has changed and thankfully they do get a lot more protection you, when you look at some of the clips of george best oh. being hacked all over the place you think to yourself how did he survive how is he still walking you know after these matches yeah, it's absolutely incredible. No, mm. And again, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of being hacked over. In fact, I stopped playing football um, at a local kind of level, mm. kind of in my early 30s, because I became a full-time dance teacher. And I was like, I can't afford to be hacked yeah. over by these people yeah, on yeah. a Saturday afternoon, because they don't care. And then I'm out of action for two months, and then I've effectively lost my own job. Mm. So uh, that's why I stopped playing. But thankfully at John of Gaunt, we don't hack each other over. Well, no. most of us don't anyway. <laughs> but what position did you used to play then? And what kind of level did you play at? Yes, well, um, 
you know, obviously enjoyed the school football. Um, I've always played up front, actually, until I just got sadly older and older. And then, and then the then I played for um, Biddeford Town, which was um, um, Great Mills Western League sort of semi semi pro Ishman League now South, I think it is. Um, so they had great pitch and um, you know floodlights, and uh, it was just a short walk from wh- where I was teaching, where I was living. So I enjoyed some good years years there. Um, I, yeah, I, I suppose also I, slightly embarrassed. I played for the English public schools. I'm a Welshman, but um, <laughs> I played for the English public schools representative side because um, yeah, I had a, a privileged education in Malvern College, um, and that was that was that was um, a good opportunity as well. But uh, and now I just get steadily older and older, and you started playing in the midfield, and then uh, started playing, playing at, um, at the back, and uh, sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> and slowly but surely, drifting Yeah, but still enjoying, still feeling so grateful that I have the um, energy and I- enough physicality to be able to do it. Yeah, and you, you mm. are, you know, I play with you every week, you are mm. a very good football player. Mm. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, I'm turning 50 this year Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier you were 64 so i'm not giving that away you've already said that live (laughs) on air um how do you cope with the fact of because i'm guessing at 64 you can't do what you did at 60 and 50 and 40 Mm. how do you kind of cope with that mentally yeah i think you've got to uh, accept the fact that a lot of people think you know i'm 30 and 40 i'm over it i'm over the hill now i've had it that's that's rubbish you've just got to do it differently play it differently play um, different standards but you've got to you, you don't um, play football to get fit you you get fit to play football yeah and uh, unless you want to get injured so you know have a in the course of your average week make sure that you do a range of different sports that, that link with the one that you want to play so and also i would say um i think the the gym i find very tedious but i listen to podcasts when i do it but it just keeps the the joints strong and the back strong and the things that tend to go when you get older you know knees back hamstrings you know what i mean do some stretching so yeah i just um you know and sometimes you can't help it if you get a certain injury in your in your sport that's put you out of it your your ligaments are all snapped or something like that but uh by and large if you're if you're in reasonable shape you know keep your weight down mix it up with your sports do what you enjoy doing do it regularly (laughs) <laughs> don't don't take it too seriously. Now, one of the things that always surprises me, and throughout all of the football that I've played, is that most people have no idea how to stretch. Mm-hmm. They really don't. They literally. And I did this when I was sixteen. I was playing at a reasonably high level, and I just walk out onto the pitch and I'd start playing. Mm-hmm. I then tore my thigh muscle really, really badly, and it put me out for eighteen months because mm-hmm. I didn't come back properly. Because again, I just wasn't structured, um, and that was really difficult. But even now, lots of people don't know how to stretch. So, just very quickly, I know you know you're a PE teacher. What advice would you give for stretching if you're going to do a sport? Well, first of all, I, I would say do what we do, Richard. Arrive early. Yeah. Okay. Do not arrive two minutes before kickoff, <laughs> and then you you warm your body up. So your muscles, when when they're warmer, they're more elastic. Okay, less likely to snap. Give a good thorough warm up, and uh, then just go through what I'm sure you've done. P- students now at schools with their well trained PE teachers are told what to do. The you know the hamstrings in particular, the calf muscles, the quads. Um, 
that that you know I'm, I'm mentioning the muscles now I can't really describe how you how you do mm. that <laughs> but uh, to, to give a full range especially for footballers so on, on the leg side but also the back too it's easier to, to damage your back on, on with some of the sort of traumatic turning you have to do yeah so it's a very um, dynamic sport isn't it, it short is, runs yeah. it's, no, it's a great sport it's a lot of fun it's great to be able to play it later on lovely now we're going to have another little break and uh, Kieran's chosen this one so this is Elbow and one day in like this Time for the last bit, then it's Richard Bovesen here right until midday today. On a story to tell, we've had John Williams in all day, and he's been talking about Graft for Growth. Remind us of the website, John. Yeah, graftforgrowth.co.uk, and um, the four is the number four. Fabulous. And if anybody wants to do any of those trips to Transylvania, do message in on that. We're on to the quick fire round. Now, every guest gets to do this, John, and every guest gets more nervous about this part than any other part because they don't know what's coming up. So how are you feeling about this? Well, uh, just go over it, Richard. Let's just see what go. happens. Right. Now, everybody knows what the first one is. Those that are regular listeners, we're going to find out, John, what's your favourite ice cream? Oh, no difficulty there. Vanilla. Oh, you're a vanilla yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Vanilla person. <laughs> <laughs> just simply vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. I don't mind vanilla. It's, mm. If it's a good quality vanilla, I'll go with that. There we go. Right. Are you tidy or messy? I think I know the answer to this one. Um, I'm a bit in between. Yeah, I can be both, but I okay. yeah yeah bit so, in between. So, what would the people around you say? Would mm. they say you're tidy or messy? Uh, it depends what areas. I'm not very tidy in the kitchen. My wife's always complaining about me in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the office is all right. The office <laughs> bedroom's right, okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Do you love or hate roller coasters? Oh no, I like like roller coasters. Yeah, like roller yeah, coasters. Yeah, 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 fantastic. Do you have any favourites? Do you go to theme parks often? Um, not since the children have grown up. But uh, I remember Blackpool was quite a. Oh yeah. Um, um, I used to go on courses in Blackwell, Blackpool, and uh, I, I went on that roller coaster a few times, and that was the scariest one, I think. I need to get back up there. Actually, I haven't been to Blackpool for going on the roller coasters mm-hmm. for many, many years. So I'm going to try and do Blackpool. I'm due to go up to that area in the not too distant future, so I might try and include it in that. Right, we're getting really serious now. Then, John, do you hang your toilet roll over the top? Or behind the back. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was serious. Highbrow. Oh, God, this is, these are tricky. I know. Ethical questions here. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> well, we, we, have these, we have these toilet roll stands. Oh, and do you? Just, you? And you, you just drop it over the, over the you know, the, onto the stand. Yeah. Okay, so mm. you're, you're a vertical person. Vertical person, yeah. Fair enough. You can yeah. get away with that one then. Uh, do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or from the cupboard? Um, personally, from the cupboard because it have more taste. But uh, my wife puts it all in the fridge, so I eat it from the fridge. <laughs> I was just about to say, do you, how do you feel about that? Then, so your wife chucks it in the fridge, yeah, yeah, and well, then you still have to eat it from there. Well, as long as she's bought it and it's available, I, I'm, I'm not complaining. You don't mind? No, it's, I don't um, mind. We were yeah. chatting recently about the fact that actually taking it from the cupboard is the proper way to do it, apparently, because that's how chocolate is designed to melt in your hand. All right. Uh, so that's yeah. the reason behind it. Mm. However, I am a chocolate from the fridge person as well. I'm afraid. Have you ever tried chocolate from the freezer? Have you no, ever done that? No, so I, I used to do this as a kid. Ice cream, you mean? No, not ice cream. <laughs> I used to put a Mars bar yeah. in the freezer 
Okay, and I then used to cut it up into very thin slices and then eat one of those bits each time. And it made a Mars bar last about 20 minutes. So okay. That, that was how I kind of got around eating, wanting to eat chocolate. So that Sounds a good idea. There you go. Tips for the eating Mars bars from the freezer. Right. Do you make your bed in the morning? I do. You do? Yeah. Fabulous. That's a definite. That is a definite. And follow-up question to that as always, do you have any cushions on your bed? Um... Yeah, not from my choice. Oh, is it not? I don't get I don't get the cushion thing. <laughs> you arrive in the bedroom, throw them on the floor, and get into bed. But it looks very nice when you arrive in the semi-dark, but uh, there we go. Yeah. And how many cushions do you have on your bed? So this is your wife, I'm guessing, that's yeah, enforcing the, the, the cushions. Yeah, the wife of the cushion, the cushion lady, that's right, two. Just two? As in two each? or No, just, just two, two total. Okay, so we, we now have six cushions on our bed, Golly. which I agree with you are pointless yeah. um <laughs> what is your favorite breakfast mm-hmm. uh geez. well i i yeah i'm a marmalade man myself actually okay i mean i suppose yeah on on the sunday we have croissant and that is really nice a butter croissant but um but the the staple is uh buttered toast with marmalade and are you a white brown or mix and 50 50 bread um or healthy bread if possible yeah brown okay so brown yeah. bread with butter and marmalade yeah that's your go-to breakfast yeah, go-to. Do you know, i've not had that so Marmalade is the first one for that. Right. If you had to, and this is definitely an if you had to, what is your go-to karaoke song? Always thinking uh, now. Oh, crikey, crikey. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, how about Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh, okay. That's a tricky one to sing. Yeah, no, I know it is. I'm hoping I'd have some backup. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't sing that by yourself. <laughs> no. Okay, so which, if you had to sing which bit, one bit of it, which okay. bit would you sing then? Um, maybe I could, uh, Not bad on the higher notes, maybe. Okay, okay. so Galileo yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe that one, yes. And how would that sound? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to give us a rendition now then no I don't think so no, I'd yeah. <laughs> love to see if you could do that right favourite TV programme <clears throat> or film hmm favourite t- okay um, I tell you what I watched One Life recently okay yeah, um, where's that on? Yeah, um, it's on the um, in Picture House, you know, the, the little theatre. Oh right, and uh, that was that was stunning. But um, um, about um, Winston, the guy who rescued so many people from the uh, from the Holocaust, some of their children. Okay, the kin- I've not heard yeah, of it. Yeah, the, the Kinder Train. So, but anyway, I think uh, my favourite film ever. Um, always a tough one. I know. Yeah, always a tough one. Yeah, I think um, Schindler's List. A great film, mm. yeah. Why? Um, it was just so moving, and it, you know, it was just so enthralling. Done so well, mm. done so well, and just um, yeah, I saw the subject matter was just um, it was horrendous, but do you know what I mean? It was just um, um, a, 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 a tremendous portrayal of, of what actually happened. So yeah. you, you were there, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. film. I haven't watched it for many, many years, yeah, actually. I must yeah. have a have a watch of it again when I've got a spare six yeah, hours, because it's quite a long film, isn't it? Yeah, it is it's a long film. Not yeah, six but hours, yeah. but yeah. Give you a headache watching it. It's uh, quite traumatic. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's probably not the not the film for Friday night with beers or anything. <laughs> okay, but... No, no. If I was a, if a, night, a nice light film, I, 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 yeah, Eat Where Eagles Dare, I always love that one. What a lovely film mm-hmm. that is. Right. If you came back in your next life as an animal, <laughs> which one would you be and why? Okay, well... I have a friend called um, Bruce who's South African, um, and uh, I think I would go with what he says. I think if I had to come back again, I would come back as an English dog 
because they get treated so well. An English dog. <laughs> An English dog, yes. But okay. you, know, you see people. You see people putting them in prams and walking them around, don't you, and dressing them up and things like that, you know. I'll be honest, I don't actually know what an English dog is. No, I I don't. When I say an English dog, I just mean um, a dog that's owned by someone in England. I was very quickly (laughs) typing in an English dog and hoping some breed would come up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. English sheepdog. Actually, we had an English sheepdog, but uh, yeah, and uh, we treated that pretty well. Go running with it and uh, looking after it and giving it a nice bed and so on and so forth so yeah they get uh, they get a good life they do indeed and your last question john and thank you for coming in today where is your happy place hmm where came where came to your mind right then yeah i do like it i've got a a small but a, a nice office and i look out onto a woodland and uh with bird life everywhere and i have a pair of binoculars by the side of my computer which i pick up far too often and uh yeah just uh it's peaceful i don't have the radio going i just have it silence and uh as i work quietly away that sounds like a a lovely Mm. place to be so in your own home watching Mm. the birds in the woodland are sitting in a peaceful place yeah that sounds like a fabulous place to be uh john remind us of the website again for if people want to go out to transylvania Okay, so, well, the launch night, Thursday, 1st of Feb, 7.30 at the Old Dairy, and the, um, you can find the details on Graph for Growth. That's uh, Graph for the, uh, with four with a number, four, not a, um, the word, graphforgrowth.co.uk. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming into Radio Basketball. Well, thank today. you very much. Thank you for inviting me. That's okay. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's been good fun. Fabulous. And we'll see you very soon. I'll see you at football on Friday. Yeah, <laughs> certainly.